things we want to talk about tonight. Where is your heart? My God, God wants to know where are you? Amen. The Bible says, and neither were they thankful. My God, I'd like to invite your attention. Let's go to Romans, the first chapter. Paul is talking to the Gentile church. Amen. And he talks about the danger of being unthankful. Where is your heart, saints? Oh, Zion, what's the matter now? You don't pray. You don't sing. You don't shout. You don't dance. You don't give God glory. You don't reverence him like you used to. Oh, Zion, what's the matter now? My God. And those that are looking for excuses, if that's all you're looking for excuses, you'll find one every time. But somebody said, I'm going to lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily disqualify us from this race. But I'm going to run my race with patience. Come on, somebody looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Romans, the first chapter, we want verse 20 through 23. Paul talks and he's talking to the Gentile church. And he's talking about the danger of being unthankful. My God, if we're living in a time of unthankful people, my God, it sure is now. Now that goes everywhere from uh, children to customer service, on the job, uh, neighbors, friends, business associates, co-workers. Come on, somebody. My God, people are just ungrateful nowadays. And matter of fact, uh, even come up with a spirit of entitlement. Mm, come on, somebody. Many people walk around with a chip on their shoulder as if um, you owe them something. My God, now that's one thing in the natural realm, but my God is... It's an abomination in the spiritual realm because God don't owe us nothing. My God, and we owe him everything. All right, Romans, the first chapter, verses 20 through 23. It says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. My God, that's our thought on tonight. Neither were thankful, but became what? Vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. My God. It's so important today. It's so important today that we keep God in his proper place 
and proper perspective. Come on, somebody. I thank God because um, Paul here in his writing, he said, for the invisible things, even things that we don't even know of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. My God. Um, when we think about um, space, space exploration, and I remember when we were doing that deep dive on Mars and those different planets, uh, they weren't going looking for space creatures. They were looking for water. Come on, somebody. My God, and why were they looking for water? Anywhere you find water, there is life. My God, and as a matter of fact, if you get some unfiltered, uh, would be would be would would be considered some contaminated water, and you just put a dip, and there's some on your fingertip. You have life right on the tip of your finger. That water contains life. There are places that you go um, in the jungle that you can't even get in the water without having some sort of protection on uh, because these little um, uh, creatures that are waterborne that can get into the crevices of your skin, uh, you know somebody, uh, into your eyes, your nose, your mouth, even your private parts and give you a, <laughs> a well of a time. My God, I'm talking about all kinds of infection uh, because that water sustains life. It's life-giving, life-sustaining. Anytime you have water, and isn't that what he said? And you shall be like a well of what? Living water springing up unto what? My God, everlasting, everlasting life. All right, so look at this. Let's, let's kind of dissect this um, scripture here. For the invisible things. Now, you, you can't see that water that's in that life. Uh, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Not may, Maybe not seen to you. Maybe you haven't recognized it, but it's clearly there. Look at that. Being understood by the things that are made. My God. You wonder why uh, the caged birds sing. Anybody ever hear the birds chirping in the morning, singing so beautifully? Uh, the cock that crows in the morning. Come on, somebody. My God. All of these things, the creation of God uh, uh, honors him. Even those things. Um, uh, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, my God, so that there are without excuse, all of these things um, mount up to the fact that, you know, listen, uh, if all of these things exist and they were created by God, we don't have no excuse for being unthankful, ungrateful. Come on, somebody. My God. If the bird can, you know, he talks about, you know, uh, the uh, birds of the air have nests and foxes have no, have holes, uh, but the son of man have no place to even lay his head. 
Come on, somebody. My God, all of these things. He said two of them are sold in the market for a farthing. His eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches each and every one of us. He's concerned about all of his creation, and all of these things are clearly seen. Even though you don't recognize them, they still exist. Come on, somebody. You can jump in a contaminated stream, and you may not see nothing living, but you'll know uh, when that thing starts growing in your intestines. Come on, somebody. Poisoning you from the inside. There is life. And that thing that God has created, it will accomplish what he has set it out to do. You don't have to teach a snake how to bite. You don't have to teach a dog how to bark. <laughs> My God, those things are innate in them. Come on, somebody. What God has created it to do, it will accomplish. Amen. All right, so with all of this that we have just talked about, we don't have no excuse. It leaves us without excuse. Look at this. Uh, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither are we thankful. My God, where is your heart? Amen. Neither were they thankful. That's what we want to talk about. Amen. A life of gratitude, a life, uh, uh, a thankful, amen, life, amen, a grateful life, realizing who you are and whose you are and who you belong to. My God, who has called your name into being? He said, I knew you. But you, before you were formed in the belly, before you came out of the womb, I knew you. Come on, somebody. My God. And because that, when they knew God, come on, somebody. It's one thing having relationship with God uh, and then not honoring him as God or having a knowledge of God. Come on, somebody. And your life don't uh, honor him. Amen. You have a knowledge of him, but you don't have a relationship with him. They glorified him not as God. Neither was they thankful. And because of that, they became vain. Now, that word vain has two adjectives uh, to go along with it. One, uh, someone that has, is obsessive with how they look or how they appear, amen. And number two, uh, producing no result. They are useless. That's the vein we're talking about. Because they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, they became useless in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Come on, somebody. Anytime we see dark, we're talking about evil. Uh, we're talking about something that's uh, uninformed, unenlightened. They did not have understanding of who God was. And look at this. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. My God. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. 
You can't take God and reduce him down into something. You know, people have this, uh, you know, graven images. They have them, you know, sitting on their uh, rear view mirrors and they have them uh, taped on their dashboard and sometimes on the mantle. And this is this is Jesus. This is Buddha. This is this and this is that. Come on, somebody. You can't reduce God down to that. God said their fear toward me are taught by the precepts of men. Come on, somebody. You can't. Uh, man don't even understand God. And thank God for the understanding that he gives us. John said if everything was written that could be written, the world couldn't even contain the book. We just have a, a glimpse of him. We talked about Paul who went up into the third heaven. He said, I don't know whether in the body or out of the body. I cannot tell. Come on, somebody and re receive revelation directly from God. And then he said, when I look at the word, I look at it through a glass darkly. I'm on somebody. My God, the best I can do is, is my understanding is looking at it through a glass darkly. I'm on somebody. Who are we? We, 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 we can't even fathom and begin to know the excellency, the greatness, the awesomeness of God. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. They became vain. They were useless in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. They were unenlightened. They were uninformed, professing themselves to be wise. What did he say? I will counsel of you to buy of me gold that's been tried in the fire. You think you're clothed and you think you're rich and you think you have need of nothing. You think you know, <laughs> but you're blind, wretched, naked, and undone, and you can't even see yourself. He said, uh, you need to get that eye salve and anoint your eyes. So the shame of your nakedness, come on somebody, does not appear. Come on somebody, my God, if you will anoint your eyes with eye salve, then you really could see just how vulnerable you are. Come on, somebody, just how un, uh, uh, how uh, unknowledgeable you are. My God, there's no way that we can have relationship with God and be unthankful. Somebody ought to say, look where the Lord brought me from. Come on, somebody. My God. And what did they do? They became fools and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and into four-footed beasts and creeping things. You cannot relegate God down into an image. Come on, somebody. My God, I don't care how big the statue is. and uh, it, it's You can't put God, you can't contain God in that. I don't care how large or how small it is. My God, he's not that kind of God. Come on, somebody. Uh, Colossians 2, 8 through 10. Let's just look at uh, something here. Uh, keep, your, keep your finger right there in Romans 1, 
20. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Come on, somebody. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in him. Come on, somebody. My God. He said, if I didn't go away, the Holy Ghost wouldn't come. Why is that? Because while he was walking in this earth, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, bodily the Holy Ghost was all in him. Come on, somebody. My God, unless I go back and send the comforter. Come on, somebody. This comforter will be with you always. Come on, somebody. My God, when he was there, the comforter was there. Come on, somebody. It wasn't it Mary and Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yeah, that's right. He was the comforter. My God, but he says, I'm going back and I'm going to send you another comforter. Why did he have to? Why did he have to do that? Number one. And then number two, he said, if I don't go away, the comforter won't come because the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt in him. My God. And that's what this scripture says in Romans. His eternal power and Godhead. Come on, somebody. So that they were without excuse. Come on, somebody. My God. What's his name? Jesus. Everything. There's no other name given unto heaven among men whereby we what? Come on, somebody. My God. And I want to talk about uh, even on the Mount of Transfiguration. They wanted to make up what? Three different tabernacles. And what happened? They were overshadowed. A cloud came. And then a voice said, this is my beloved son in who I am well Please. And, and when the dust settled, there was nothing but Jesus. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in him. There's only one person in the Godhead. That's Jesus. Come on, somebody. My God. And you can't relegate him down to some statue or some... You know, something that you put on your mantle, something that you put around your your neck or something you, you put around your rearview mirror in your car. He's too great, too powerful for that. Look at this. Uh, let's go to uh, Revelation 4 and 3. This is John being caught up into heaven. His history and our future. Revelation 4. 
we're going to read one through three here. After this, I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter our future. Come on, somebody. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, what a throne set in heaven. Not three thrones, just one throne that was set in heaven. He's got to be the father. He's got to be the son. He's got to be the Holy Spirit. And all of those three have to be one. Because there's only one throne sitting up in heaven in the throne room. Come on, somebody. My God. All right. And he and one sat on the throne. Look at this. Let's go do uh, verse two again. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was also to look upon like a jasper and sardine stone. Come on, somebody. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. My God, and we certainly know uh, that emerald is uh, something that represents a wit, elegance, and foresight. But let's not get around, let's not even deal with the aura. Let's talk about, and he that sat upon him was to look upon like a jasper and sardine stone. My God, a translucent stone, if you will. Uh, a diamond with many facets. And uh, as the light hits the diamond, now the diamond looks different. In natural light, it looks different under artificial light. It looks different under different uh, lighting conditions. Come on, somebody. You can be looking at the same diamond and you can turn it just a little bit and you see something else. Because of the cuts and the facets in the diamond and the way the light hits it and refracts out of the diamond, it looks different every time. Come on, somebody. My God, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm talking about him who was to look upon like a jasper and sardine stone. Come on, somebody. And if you look at him, we talk about the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt in him. If you look at him, you say, there goes the father. Oh, wait a minute. There, there's the son. The S-O-N. There's the Holy Spirit. My God, the Prince of Peace. <laughs> My God, the Comforter. My, the Rose of Sharon. You're looking at the same, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in him. Come on, somebody. And this scripture says uh, we are complete. As long as I got Jesus, I don't need nobody else. My God. Amen. Um, I'm sorry. That was Colossians 2, the scripture we just called, 8 through 10. Let's, let's, let's go back. And, uh, I'm going to read that one more time. 
Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, and that's just the rudiments of men, and vain deceit. You know, some people just have a religious go, well, we all serve in the same God, and, and we all go to different ch churches, but they're the same church. Ephesians 4 and 5 said there's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's only one baptism. Come on, somebody. My God. One God, the Father of all, above all, uh, in us all, and through us all. Come on, somebody. My God. What's his name? Jesus. Come on, somebody. There's only one. There's only one sitting on the throne. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in him. Come on, somebody. My God. Why why, why you keep saying this, Pastor? Y'all keep, come on, go along with me. I'll do you some good. Amen. So this jasper and sardine stone, because of the facets, because of the different lighting conditions, every time it turns, you see something different. But guess what? It's the same stone. My God, my diamond ain't big enough to get nothing out of it. Well, I get a little bit of fragment out of it. Uh, but when you're looking at him, come on somebody, everything is in him. Now, uh, let's go back to Colossians 2, 8 and 10 again. Uh, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and what we are complete in him, which is what the head of all principality and power. There is no God like our God. Come on, somebody. He said, there's nobody before me. There's no one coming after me. Isaiah 41, it says, and beside me, there is no savior. Come on, somebody. And leaves us without excuse. Come on, somebody. My God. Because that when we knew God, we don't glorify him as God. Neither are we thankful. My God, I need to let that sit in. For when we knew God, we don't glorify him as God, and neither are we thankful. Everything is in him. Come on, somebody. And if you have him, you are complete. Because he is complete. Amen. And the, the, uh, the, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, we're talking about Colossians 2. We're talking about Revelation 4 and 3 here. Uh, all of these scriptures let us know that in him dwell the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When the dust settled on the Mount of Transfigurations, he said the, the, the words came from 
uh, heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Not three, just one. John, when he was caught up into the heavens, there was one throne and only one that sat upon him. That jasper and sardine stone, you can look at it. My God. I see the peace that surpasses all understanding. I see God the Father. I see the Son in redemption. I see the Holy Ghost in the church. Come on, somebody. My God. Every time you look at it, you see something different, but it's the same stone. I hope everybody have an understanding of that. Come on, somebody. My God. So Paul, he says, when we become thankless instead of thankful, we are creating a great sin. Now I'm going to let that Because when they knew God, they don't glorify him as God, and neither are they thankful. And Paul says, when we become thankless, come on somebody, instead of being thankful, we are creating or we have committed a great Sin. My God. James said every good and perfect gift. Um, let's get James. James 1, 16, 17. What did James 1 and uh, 16 says, do not err, my beloved brethren. Verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Come on, somebody. There is no gradation of darkness in him. There is no variableness. He's not one, uh, one way one day and in a different way uh, another day. Come on, somebody. My God. And there are no shades of gray in him at all. My God. God is the light of the world. Come on, somebody. My God. Um, so James lets us know, amen, that every good and perfect gift, everything, anything that you have, anything that you own, anything that you cherish, anything that you adore, um, even you yourself, come on somebody, my God, if you, if you consider yourself good and to be uh, perfect in someone's eyes. If there be any good in you, guess what? It's not of you. It comes from God. Come on, somebody. 
Um, I think we're, we're living in a time now where people are used to consistency, you know, uh, God consistently, you know, waking you up in the morning and consistently keeping you enclosed in your right mind and consistently, you know, a measure of health and a, a measure of strength. Come on, somebody consistently. You know, we have means to, uh, you know, get out of bed and dress ourselves and uh, get in our cars and go work good jobs and uh, make a good wage and, and you know, uh, go and buy yourself consumables and uh, put uh, meat in your your refrigerator. Uh, don't have to worry where your next meal come from. Uh, you know, that happens such and on, on such a consistent basis that then we come to a level of expectation. Come on, somebody. And, and instead of, you know, um, thanking God for those things, we're saying, well, we, we, we just come to expect those things. It's kind of like, you know, uh, buying gifts for... Uh, you know, uh, a wife, husband, loved one, girlfriend, boyfriend, you bring roses all the time. You bring red roses every time you come, red roses, red roses, red roses. The first time is, oh, you bought roses. The second time they receive the roses and put them right in the vase and, the, and, and go on in the conversation. What happened? It, it's become expected. Come on, somebody. And God is saying, now we're living lives that you're just expecting me to do. Things that you ought to be grateful for. When's the last time you told him, Lord, I just thank you for waking me up this morning. I, I thank you for starting me on my way. I thank you uh, for the provision. I thank you for the job. I thank you for the car. I thank you for mine. Come on, somebody. My God. We can see it a lot of times even in our own children. Certain things they just expect you to do because you've always done it. And they're not grateful. Now, you know, they, they you know, birthday come around. Oh, I thank you. Christmas come around. Oh, I thank you. But the day-to-day -day things, which they ought to be thankful for, they come to expect. It. Come on, somebody. Yes, we thank him for the car and we thank him for the house and we thank him for the job. Come on, somebody. But do we thank him for everything? Where is your heart? Neither were they thankful. They knew him. The Godhead. Everything is in him. Come on, somebody. They knew him, but they didn't worship him as God. Neither were they thankful. How thankful are we today? Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 4 through 7.
says what? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, do what? Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what? And the peace of God. My God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. My God, even when we partition God, your supplication, you know, somebody, even when you're partitioning him, be thankful. It, it may be for a pain in your body. Lord, I thank you. I can feel pain. You know, painless people are in the gra in the graveyard. <laughs> My God, you don't feel no pain in the graveyard. That, that, that time part of your life is all over with. So even when you're petitioning him for healing for your body, Lord, I thank you. Even when you're praying, be thankful. You know, a lot of times our prayer is just a list. It, it, it could be, you know... <laughs> I mean, if you look right at it, it's a Christmas list. You know, Lord, I need this and I need that and I need this and I need that and I got to have that and you know I need this and I asked you that for a long time ago and you still haven't done that yet. Come on, somebody. My God. But Philippians here says, rejoice in the Lord always and again, not just rejoicing just one time, my God, you can go back and thank him again. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, my God, not just one time, but, the, but all times. My God, yes, I can thank him for that same thing all over again. My God. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. I'm on somebody. You don't have to have nothing but Jesus. You hear me? The only thing I got to have, <laughs> I got to have Jesus. I got to see his face in peace. Oh, man, you know, I just got to have one of them houses. I, I got to drive one of those cars. I got to possess this no be careful for nothing, but in everything, how you to do it by prayer and supplication. When you petitioning God, do it with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Even when you're petitioning, even when you're praying, do it with thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you. My God. So while you're waiting and you're praying, amen, and you're petitioning and you're doing it with thanksgiving, the Bible says, and the peace of God. Ah, so you can go ahead and pray and still have peace and have contentment. Go to bed and go to sleep at night. Come on, somebody. My God. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. We got to know how to approach God. 
Come on, somebody. Where is your heart? Mm, when they knew God. Come on, somebody. My God. They didn't worship him as God. Neither were they thankful. They glorified him not as God. And neither were they thankful. How thankful we ought to be. Even when you're petitioning God, Lord, I thank you. Come on, somebody. We see what's going on in the world, saints. My God, the life that's being lost in Gaza, the life that's being lost in Ukraine, the life that's being lost uh, right in the, the, the metropolitan Detroit area and our bigger, big cities in Chicago. Come on, somebody. Uh, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, lives are being destroyed. All of these things that are happening, we ought to be thankful. Come on, somebody. The war that you see on TV, the lack that you see, the death and the destruction is coming soon uh, to a city, to a community, to a state <laughs> uh, near you. Come on, somebody. My God, because God's wrath is being poured out upon this earth and we can see it. We know it. We know exactly what's going on. My God, people are having all kinds of uh, medical emergencies and having to make choice between uh, medication and food and uh, family trauma and personal trauma locked up in their minds and there's no chains involved. Come on, somebody. The devil is having his way with them. My God, we ought to have a lifestyle of gratitude. A lifestyle of gratitude. You all remember Israel. My God, no sooner than God brought them out and um, parted the Red Sea. Uh, dried it with his nostril, blew it with his nostril and dried uh, the land and they walked across on dry land and when Pharaoh's army was coming to destroy them, what did he do? He buried Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. My God. And right after, go ahead and read it. Read it right after, soon as they got done praising God for uh, I believe it was Miriam with the tambourine. They put the tambourine. They said, now, nah, uh, Moses, what are we going to eat? Read it. Read the scripture. It, it's amazing. It is amazing. They were just thanking God for drowning Pharaoh's army. And when they got done with the praise service, they said, now, nah, Moses, uh, I know you packed us a lunch, didn't you? Come on, somebody. My God. They were so full of complaint that God could never get them to the place, the point he wanted to get. He couldn't bless them. Come on, somebody. My God. 
to the, the point that he wanted to because of murmuring and complaining. My God, guess what? Murmuring and complaining is blocking your blessings from God. Neither were they thankful. Come on, somebody. When they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. <clears throat> you all remember what they did. Moses went up on the mountain. And they told Aaron, no, we don't know where Moses went. Uh, let's take this gold and break it off. I'm going to cast it into the fire. And the Bible says Aaron took a, 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 a graving iron and, 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 and shaped it into a golden calf and then turned around and said, this be the God that brought us out of Egypt. My God. Turn to that neighbor and say, you something else. <laughs> Tell yourself, I swear you something else. You something else. My God, after God brought them, they saw the Red Sea parted. They saw Pharaoh's army being drowned. And the man of God goes up on the mountain and stays a little too long. Somebody, and this is another point. We are made to worship. We've always been made to worship. And if you don't hold God in his proper place and perspective, guess what? You will worship a golden calf. You will worship your pimp. You will worship your abuser. Some people get beat 30 years. And they turn around and say, well, he loves me. <laughs> My God. You're made to worship something. Why would they tell Aaron? Aaron, you got to, you got to get us something to worship. We, we, we don't know what happened to Moses. Come on, somebody. And no sooner than they had the golden calf, they said, now this be the God that brought us out of Egypt. I'm on somebody. So what is God calling us to? He's calling us to a lifestyle of gratitude. If you don't keep him in his proper place and perspective, you will become unthankful. Where's your heart? Come on, somebody. My God. You know, you know um, Israel was never, they never did go in and possess. As a matter of fact, that's the mess that we're in right now over in the Middle East. They never did go in and possess everything. Neither do they possess it right, right now. My God, because of murmuring and complaining. There's only one king back with a good report. Well, who was it? Uh, uh, Joshua and Caleb. Whereas grasshoppers in their sight. Hold on, somebody. My God. What did uh, Caleb 
steal the people before, said, let us go up at once. We're well able. If God delight in us, let us go up at once and possess everything. Spies came back, said it was just like God said it was. My God, a cluster of grapes, grapes the size of a man's head. He had to bear it up between two people. Houses that we did not build, vineyards that we did not plant. Here's the grapes right here. Drop them down on the ground. But some of them had a negative report. And what God say, well, listen, you're not worthy. My God, we block our own blessing. Come on, somebody. When we complain, murmur and complain. Come on, somebody. When we know God and we glorify him not as God and neither are we thankful. God is calling us to a life of gratitude. My God, what did he do during the uh, millennial reign, uh, the millennial period? What did he do? He made everything anew. You all remember that in our study of, of Revelation? My God, <clears throat> after he fights the battle of Armageddon, he sets up his millennial kingdom. My God, he he he. Uh, the earth yields her 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 strength to man. Come on, somebody! You didn't have to toil the ground, and uh, it, it was fertile ground. You didn't have to have a plow to plow it up. Come on, somebody! It talked about two that were uh, planting grapes, and by the time you got to the end of this row, you had uh, a vine ripening grapes. Where you started, come on somebody, my God, talking about the child that will reach uh, and, uh, into the den of the cockatrice and the, uh, um, uh, I forget the name of that other snake, uh, and, and pull the venomous snake out of, his, out of his den, come on somebody, my God, the lion and the lamb will lay down together. This is God showed us this is what I intended. This is what I had in store for you. But because of sin, when we become thankless and not thankful, we create and we have a committed a big sin. My God, a thousand years of bliss. A man that would die at the age of a thousand years old was considered to be uh, dying at an early age. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. My God. And what did he do? At the end of that, he loosed Satan for just a little season. He lets you see the effects of sin. He changed and made everything anew. Yet man's heart, man's heart remained the same. And when he loosed Satan for a little season, he had no problem. 
My God, who wants to gang up with me and let's go against God? Come on, somebody. And here they go. We're going to attack Jerusalem. And God said, not so. With the sword of his mouth. That's all he did was spoke. My God, and set him afire. But this, but in the millennial reign, in the millennial, millennial period, he let us know that was my original intent. My God. But because of the unthankful heart of man. Come on, somebody. My God. Out of all of those things, and I don't want to get into this because that kind of gets us off our, our thought for tonight. Out of all the trees, fruit, vegetable, in the garden, why that tree? You shall not surely die. Come on, somebody. My God. When we become unthankful, instead of when we become thankless and not thankful, we commit a great sin. All right. Revelation 2, we want to go there. The second chapter of Revelation, God sends a letter to the pastor of the church. And we want to dissect that a little bit because I believe out of each of these dispensations of the church, we can all glean something out of them. To the letters, John was told to write at the churches. Now, this is not uh, Asia as we would think about it. These churches would be around in the area of Turkey, Turkey today. Asia Minor, you would kind of think of some kind of uh, a different area. But that's not uh, what we're talking about. All right. Second chapter of Revelation. All right, unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake have labored, and hath not fainted. Those are some good things. Look at this. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art falling, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, 
and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, uh, thou, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. My God. Um, we see here God, he tells John to write a letter to the pastor of the church at Ephesus and tells the pastor, this is what I want you to tell the people in the church at Ephesus. And, in, in, uh, when we look at this letter, he has compliments. He says, you have called out evil. Uh, you've pointed out false apostles. You did not allow heresy and false doctrine uh, to be taught. Um, I know thy works, uh, the works uh, that that's your, 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 your deed, your works, your deeds. Um, thou and thy labor, it's a working church and your patience and how thou cannot bear them which are evil. I'm on somebody. You're not allowing just anything to creep up in the church. Uh, thou hast tried them which say there are apostles. You have ferreted out uh, false apostles and false preachers and false teachers. And thou hast found them to be liars. You have borne the heat of the day and hath patience for my name's sake, hath labored and hath not fainted. You've been faithful. Come on, somebody. My God, I've seen. Um, uh, it's a serving ministry. It's a ministry with perseverance. Come on, somebody. Um, you have kept going when others have quit. Uh, you have been patient. Come on, somebody. Laying aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. But he said, uh, verse four, but, you know, we got to have a but in there. Now, be careful when, when, uh, when men, that's all they have to say is good things about you. Come on, somebody. My God. So God has a but in his letter to the saints at the church in Ephesus. I have somewhat against you because thou have left thy first love. My God. Your first, I mean, after so many compliments, did you know um, you can serve God and not love him first? Did you know that you can serve in the ministry and not love him first? Uh, you can have great perseverance and not love him first. You can be patient and not love him first. My God. Now listen. He didn't say that you didn't love me. 
He said, you no longer put me first. My God, now that, that's, that's, that's saying something now. <clears throat> I'm not saying that you don't love me. I'm saying you have failed to put me first. When they knew God, hmm, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. Hmm. My God. You can do all of these things. Working in the church. Serving in the church. Uh, 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 preaching uh, the gospel. Uh, rejecting false prophets and heresy. Yet you can do all of that and still not put God first. We know it's possible. We're reading the letter right here. I notice all of these good things that you're doing, but you don't love me first. He didn't say you didn't love me. You stopped putting me first. My God, somewhere in the cares of life, somewhere in the midst of ministry, somewhere uh, in, in the family, uh, with your husband and with your wife and with friends. And you know how we get busy, the, the things that we do, the holiday parties, the holiday gatherings. Um, somewhere in that mix, uh, I fail to be first. Hmm. I no longer hold the first position in your life, in your worship, in your meditation, in your reverence. Come on, somebody. My God, you can be spiritually busy and not put God first. Somewhere along the way, I've been replaced, not totally. Now, this is where we got the split hairs now. You haven't totally forgotten me. You just fail now to put me first. Hmm. I no longer hold the first position in your life. And you know what? Uh, serving God can, can camouflage relationship. Ah, my God. Uh, I was at the school uh, one day, this was some years ago, picking up Madison. A uh, lady was, uh, she knew I was a pastor and we were uh, two different faiths, two different beliefs. And she told me, she said, well, you can come and, and, and see my house and know I'm blessed. <laughs> what does that got to do with, with with anything? You know, people, you know, um they get caught up in so much stuff till, you know, it camouflages relationship. Just because you got a big house don't mean that you have relationship with God. Just because you come to Bible class 
don't mean you got a relationship with God. Just because you come to church, just because you sing in the choir, just because you're on the praise team, just because you're a preacher, you're a deacon, don't mean you have relationship with God. Sometimes these things can camouflage relationship. Where did those uh, individuals say we've cast out demons in your name? We've did mighty wondrous works in your name. What did he say? <clears throat> Depart from me. Come on, somebody. Somewhere in serving, you thought you were serving me. It camouflaged relationship. Yeah, you used my name and you did some good work, but we never had relationship. My God. So blessings and servitude can uh, uh, disguise and camouflage relationship. My God. God said, uh, you love what I can do for you. But you don't love me first. You love the things that uh, I can get you out of. You, the fact that I can heal your body, that I can, uh, you can become debt free, that uh, I can uh, fix things in your marriage, and I can perform miracles on your job, and I can make a way out of no way. But you don't love me first. You love the things I can do for you, but you don't love me. First, I lost that position in your life. You all remember uh, Abraham. I started to pull this scripture, uh, but I didn't for this Bible class. But uh, I think it's good uh, if you do. Um, God uh, <clears throat> tested Abraham and said, Abraham, do you love the blessing or do you love the blessor? I want you to take Isaac upon that mountain and sacrifice him unto me. Little young Isaac, he said, Father, I see fire and I see wood, but where is the sacrifice? Oh, somebody. What did... Uh, what did Abraham say? God will provide himself a sacrifice. Come on, somebody. My God. And I, I wish I had pulled that scripture. The Bible said he pulled back the stave, the knife, to sacrifice. Uh, he thought that if he killed young Isaac, God would bring him back to life. And he had to call his name twice. Abraham, Abraham. Come on, somebody. My God. And, and that dialogue right after that said, now I know. Now, listen, I, I already know God knew what was in Abraham's heart. But these things were written for what? Our example. God wants to know, wants you to know what's in your heart, 
Where is your heart? Where do you stand? You know, uh, uh, the servitude and, 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 you know, working in the ministry can camouflage relationship. God wants to know, do you love me or do you just love the things that I can do for you? Hmm. Are you more carried away with the blessing than the blessor? My God, are you willing to sacrifice those things for me? And that was a beautiful dialogue that God had with Abraham. Now I know. Abraham, you have proven yourself, but I don't believe it was for God. I believe that scripture was written for us. Are you more in love with what God can do for you? Or are you in love with him? He says somewhere along the way, in the bustle of servitude, in the bustle of ministry and family and job and holidays and friendships and loved ones and, and bills and this and that, Somewhere I stop being first. I demand to be first. Come on, somebody. My God. I know you fit me in. You pencil me into your 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 agenda. Uh, you know. Sunday, we got to go to church and then we're going to do this. We're going to, you know, instead of, you know, God being first. We pencil him in. Around all the other stuff. I'm not your first priority anymore. Yeah. You love me, but you love me less. When he demands to be first. Why? Because he is first. What does he say? I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. Come on, somebody. He demands to be first. Where is your heart. My God. Somewhere along the way, I have lost my position as your first love. Now, listen, don't get it confused. I know you love me. But you don't love me first. I demand to be first. Let's go to Matthew 10. Oh boy, we're running out of time. You know what? We're going to, oh boy, I hate to bust up this Bible class. But I don't have enough time to do it justice. Matthew 10. Verse uh, 
37. All right, yes, verse 37 through 39. The meaning of less, the meaning of less. You all have it, say amen. What does he say? He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Oh, boy. Stop right there. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Now, yeah, now listen, now, now you getting personal. You don't, you know how we don't, now, listen, you better keep my mother out of this. Now, listen, my, my mother and father, they done gone to be with heaven and, and in heaven resting with the Lord. Now, why are you going to bring them up? You know how we, uh, you know, the only place in the Bible God told us to prove him was when it comes to money. Only place in the Bible he says, prove me, had to do with money because he know you, some people will kill mother and father for money. <laughs> My God, I mean, if you don't have God first, yeah, you will kill your mother and your father for money. And that's why he's telling telling you, you got to have him first. The only way this thing is going to work, you got to have him first. And the hustle and the bustle of life and holidays and schedules and agendas and 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 going back to school and and, and pursuing a career and raising a family. I'll help you with all of that if you keep me Let's go back to the scripture. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not even worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Oh my God. Now we got some strong meat uh, that we got to deal with and dissect here. If you love your wife, your husband, your son, or your daughter, more than you love God, you're not worthy of him. Hmm. I told my wife when I was uh, pastoring, it took a lot um, when I was pastoring. When I first started pastoring, I was working a full-time job, a demanding job. I was a consultant for IBM traveling. Uh, traveling on Monday, gone all week, come home on Friday. I have to do everything that I needed to do on the, the weekend, and that's including uh, Bible class and, and Sunday morning services and things of that sort. 
I told my wife, you ought to be glad that I don't put you before God. Because if God has to get my attention, he has to move you out of the way. I'm glad in my ministry, I didn't put my children before God. Because if God wants to get my attention, oh, he, he has a way of getting what he wants. He would have to move my children out of the way. I have always put God first. Come on, somebody. Family did not stop me from building in the kingdom of God. I, I was the pastor. Come on, somebody. Young pastor. A father. A husband. A brother. A mentor. Come on, somebody. My God. But I did not allow my earthly things, the blessings, what a blessing it is uh, to be saved and have a family. What a blessing it is to be saved and God give you a wife. What a blessing it is to be saved. God don't give you these things to take you from him. Many times being frustrated. I, I told you about the times when I was on my way to church. I was teaching Bible class that night and I, my wife was serving in the bake sale. So I was at home uh, getting ready for Bible class and, and the, I had the three children with me and I was frustrated. Uh, I, I, I said, uh, where is Avery Shoe? Madison looked at me. She said, I don't know. You're the pastor. <laughs> you know, pastor got all the answers. I did not allow family, although I was a father, a provider, a husband, a friend. I did not allow those things to take me from God because God is first. I cannot allow my children to stop me from serving God. God will have to move them out of the way to get my attention. Hello, somebody. My God. Now, this is the strong meat. The strong meat that a lot of people choke on. Hello, somebody. Here it is. Where's your heart? I want your commitment to me to be your greater than your commitment to family. Oh boy now, wait a minute. A lot of people choke on this. Strong me. I want your commitment to me and to ministry to be stronger than your commitment to wife, to husband, to mother, to father, to children. 
I want you to put me first. Anybody that loves his mother, father, husband, wife, children more than me, then are not worthy of me. My God. I want to be first. Because that's what I am. I'm alpha. Come on, somebody. We cry, Lord, I haven't forgotten you. Lord said, I know you haven't forgotten me. What you have done, you have failed to place me first. Mm. You have left me off from being first in your life. Where is his position? For when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful. My God. All right. We got to cut this off right here and we will finish this. If the Lord be my helper and the Lord says the same. My God will finish this on uh, next week. God says, give me your heart. Somewhere. Along the way, I've lost my position as first in your life, my God. And the only way this is going to work, I have to be first. May God bless you. May God keep you is our prayer. Uh, even in a uh, streaming environment, I got to let Bible class go on time. People think I I, I hold it too long, uh, even uh, in in the comfort of your own home. But the Lord knows. The Lord knows. If you're under the sound of my voice and you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, you haven't been filled with his spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. My friend, if you haven't had that experience, you're living beneath your privilege. The Lord said, except the man be born again, he cannot see. Your understanding is not opened. Except the man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter. My God, you can't come into my house. If you're here under the sound of my voice, and you have not had this experience, call me, 734-477-6891. Call me, 734-477-6891. Amen. We will return your call, share with you the scriptures. Amen. Meet you, baptize you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And God himself will fill you with his spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. My God, call me, call me. Don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Call, call right now. 734-477-6891. May the Lord God bless you real good.